0: Um, but it doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable either. So, so you talked a little bit about how, you know, how that encounter and like some of those, you know, just really allowing God into the process, um, really did, you know, got you through to the other side, but what are some practical things for you that helped you to break through like the shame and the, the isolation? Because I think, you know, when we're walking through it, it, it's hard to see even like what you should be doing. Like what could I be doing differently? You talked a little bit about advocating for yourself. Um, but what are some practical ways? Like, how do you, how do you learn how to build a community of support around you? Right. Like to get out of the isolation, what are some things that kind of helped you to break through that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think having an outlet for pain is really important. Um, whatever, obviously a healthy outlet. Um, but having an outlet for pain is so important. And for me, um, writing was just one of those outlets. Um, my husband and I originally started a YouTube channel because we couldn't find voices to actually like, um, voice what the pain felt like, what it, the disappointments of the doctor's appointments, the disappointments of not being able to like pay for our treatments, you know, all those things. And so that became an outlet for us where we were able to get pain out and give pain a voice and not avoid pain, but like, you know, um, let it sit at the dining room table. It it doesn't get to run our household, but it has a place at the table. You know, and then that sort of migrated into just because it's so much work, which I'm so thankful for everybody that like manages that kind of stuff that makes videos. it It is so much work, and it just became too much work to do it on the video side. So then I was like, well, I really love to write, and that's very therapeutic for me and helpful. And so I started a blog um where um we basically just took from the videos and then just kind of shared our story um yeah. through the blog and so that was a huge part of that um just a practical way of of helping through the pain um so i think one practical is finding a way to process the pain in a yes. healthy way whether that's you know, some people are athletic. So maybe it's, you know, like having a routine of, you know, um, movement, um, if it's writing, if it's, you know, having, um, a specific place in nature, like just somewhere to go to be able to do that. I mean, I remember a friend who was like, do you want to go shoot plates? Like I'll throw plates up in the air and you can shoot them or, you know, hit plates with a baseball bat, you know, those kind of things are therapeutic, you know, um, I think practically, it's um like you touch on building a community. So really getting some core people around you that you can throw SOSs out to and say, this is what I need in this moment. This isn't what I need in this moment. Yes. It's going to require some vulnerability mm-hmm. to be able to open up your heart to people. Um, but really getting a community of people, especially now with technology. Like I, I remember Marco Polo's being with you and Andrea and, and Madeline and my friends, like, um, you know, having Marco Polos where I could just right. hop on there and just say like today just sucks and I just need to get it out and just cry and you know whatever and just having you guys respond when you could, um, was so helpful. Um, I think that, um, I remember when I still remember and I still do this even today with just normal everyday life. But I remember one of the biggest things I learned from you is self care. Like Mm -hmm. in pain and you taught me about the self-care box. Like, hey, build a box that when you have a really crappy day that you can open up that box and it's all things that help you Mm -hmm. just process. And so I remember filling up the box with, you know, Epsom salts for a bath and filling up um, you know, my favorite snacks and movies and letters that I wrote myself of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, when the days really sucks, like here's the things I want you to remember. Um, I think at one point I even and put like letters from my friends in there that I would just yeah. read on the days, you know, and that was a huge part of just a practical thing of, yes. of that was just that self-care box, you know, of, um, just having a form of comfort on a hard day. Right. Um,
0: that's really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah and I think, because that, what that touches on for me, when you're talking about that, it's, there are so many triggers, like, to infertility, like just that process. I was never diagnosed with infertility, but I did have to walk, you know, several years of having miscarriages and not knowing why, Mm -hmm. and, you know, triggers of baby showers and celebrations. And, you know, then they have a baby and then they have another baby and you're like, cool. And you're just thrown back into that grief cycle. Mm -hmm. And we want to avoid the pain instead of nurturing like wow. ourselves, right? And so having that, I mean, I I think I just well, you make me sound really cool cuz I actually didn't remember that I said that. <laughs> um but that is something that I would do. I would literally have a list on my phone of like my bad day list. So like I'm going to go to Blackrock and I'm going to get myself a coffee and yep. a marshmallow bar cuz that's like mm-hmm. my favorite treat, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm going to go like put on my favorite just comfort movie that I can laugh and cry to, you know, and Phoebe Phoebe buffet from friends always hits the spot. So always a good choice. Um, but, but it's learning how to like, we can't deprive ourselves Mm. in the pain and we want to, yeah, because there's the shame element of it too. Right. Where it's like, I'm not worthy. I don't feel worthy of love. I don't feel worthy of being sat with in this moment. Um, I don't, you know, like we just feel like not the best, we're not the best of ourselves is what it feels like. And so it's the hardest thing to do is that like self nurturing, self comfort, like, I still I buy myself flowers on my dad's birthday, Um, like anniversaries like that, you know, where there are just those little heart triggers. And so I would definitely agree with that. Um, Those tips and strategies that you gave that it's we don't always know the end from the beginning. And so we have to treat ourselves with kindness and compassion for the journey. Just like you wouldn't starve yourself in a marathon. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you would be taking breaks, you would be drinking water, you would be hydrating with electrolytes. You know, you might carb load with pasta beforehand. Like Mm -hmm. there are things that you have to do for a marathon and this is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's an emotional and physical and spiritual marathon. It's not one or the other. And so the tools that you use in a given season are just like you were saying before, they're going to be different. Like maybe last, you know, three months ago, I was really able to lean heavily on some spiritual practices and now it needs to be more emotional physical connection with other people. Like there's different, different tools for different, different seasons. So, um, I just love everything that you shared. This was so powerful and I know it's going to help so many people that are listening. Do you have any like final words of wisdom or words of encouragement for those that might be walking this journey out?
1: Um, I would say that compassion is one of the biggest, um, partners in processing pain that would really be, um, one of the most effective partners. Um, one thing at, you know, unhindered that, that we really had to teach ourselves first through our own, like healing art, own heart pain. And then something that we walk clients through is the power of compassion of letting love into pain. Mm -hmm. Um, because when we're in pain, we have a lot of self protectors that come up. Um, if we think of like a drawbridge on a castle, you know, we, we pull that bridge up to protect from further pain. But the problem when you have the drawbridge up is that everything that's in stays in and everything that's out can't get in. Right, And so whatever amount of love you have or compassion you have in that moment that you pull that drawstring up, that's all you have to help you process. And so actually what we need um, in places of pain is, is we need love and compassion um, because judgment will always tell us the what, but compassion tells us the why yes. um, judgment so will tell us, you know, you are in this place of pain and these are the realities that you're facing, yes. but compassion will say well, why, um, can't I experience this or, or why, um, meaning like, why can't I experience more of love in a place of pain or why can't I have things that I need to help me walk through this or, you know, so it, it helps us down to the lower levels of ourselves and our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, um, really going on a journey of welcoming compassion Mm -hmm. for, you know, Um, those places where we're sort of conditioned, like, oh, I feel anger. The anger is bad. You know, it's like, I can't feel anger. Well, actually compassion would tell you that anger actually isn't bad. Anger is actually exposing a need that you have. So I feel angry because I feel this. Mm -hmm. And so compassion is actually what helps us get down to what is it that I'm actually feeling? What is it that I actually need? What is it the angers telling me, Oh, I actually need a boundary here, or I need um, more love in this place, or I need an answer, or I need rest. I need a chocolate bar. Like those are very real things. (laughs) So um, (laughs) just journey of allowing compassion. I think a misconception of compassion is that it's permission. Like, Oh, if I have compassion here, that gives me permission to behave badly. Mm. But that's actually not, the reality of it. That's a misuse of compassion. Compassion is actually a really powerful weapon to help us to um, process pain really well. Um, If we can allow compassion to say, you know, it's actually okay that you feel angry. Let's Mm -hmm. sit in that and like allow anger to have a voice. Okay. Now that we've allowed anger to have a voice, now let's talk about how we can like get on the other side, have ownership, have community, have whatever we need. So, I would just say, um, going on, if there's any journey in pain that you can go on, it's discovering compassion in the midst of your pain for yourself, for other people, Mm -hmm. for your journey, for your future, for your past, Mm -hmm. for your present, um, that can just be a really powerful weapon to help you, you know, process through the journey that you're on.
0: That's huge. Yep, yeah. and I would just add on to that: if you don't know how to be compassionate with yourself, work with somebody who can mirror yes. that for you um, until you can. Whether that's Absolutely. a counselor or the Unhindered Life or you know life coaching, whatever. Like, um, I know for me, I had to have it mirrored to yes. me before I could yes. actually like, oh, this is something I can offer myself. Mm. Um, because we learn to do for ourselves what we see other people do yes. for us, and if we don't have a good model for that, we're n- it's going to be hard it's like, there's no resources to draw from. So absolutely, so good, Bree. This was amazing. And I know that it's just gonna, it's gonna unlock so much for the listeners. And so would you, um, if you wouldn't mind just sharing where people can follow you, like on Instagram or, um, or your website, I'm going to put it in the show notes too, but I just like them to hear from you.
1: Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find us at the unhindered life and um, we have a website as well called the unhindered life. So you can find us at either of those places.
0: Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Brie. This was so powerful and yeah, I know this is going to bless so many people.
1: Thank you so much. It was such a privilege. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. If you are recognizing patterns of shame in yourself as you're listening to this story and this dialogue, or you're recognizing that, gosh, I have patterns of shame that I just do not know how to break free from, whether that's past choices, current choices, health struggles, etc., then I want to invite you to the Stop the Shame Cycle. This is a three-week private Bible study. Where I'm going to be taking you through the foundations of overcoming shame, walking you through the personal workbook of really how to rewrite your story of shame by encountering God in the process. So you can go ahead and click the link in the show notes and make sure to register for that. You're also going to get access to three weeks of private coaching with me in um, a private platform. So make sure to register for that link in the show notes. And I can't wait for you to get your breakthrough as well, because this is for whatever reason, the journey that we're on and I can't, you know, I can't exit the train. I tried. It's not working trying to get off that train Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's, I'm just still stuck on it. All the doors are locked. Mm -hmm. So it's, (laughs) I'm like, well, so then the people that are going to be on the train are going to be the people on the train. And I just Mm -hmm. can't, you know what I mean? There was a certain grace that kind of like came into that where it was like, I don't have to have a filter anymore. And there was some freedom in that. Um, Obviously that was not for me that did not equal permission to like emotionally annihilate people or like, you know, blast people to death, but it was more just like, I just have to be okay with what I'm able to do and not able to do. But it also kind of forged in me this courage to say things that I probably would have never said, advocate Mm -hmm. for myself in ways that I probably never would. And I know that I watched that in you as well to where you were able to say, I mean, we, we are part of a very prophetic culture and people will come up to you and say things well-meaning, right? They're well-meaning, absolutely, of course, but- like we also have to be okay, hundred percent okay with people giving us feedback and saying, "I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me right now." Yes, this is now. This is not. You know, take that to the Lord in intercession and don't tell me again because, yeah. like, it, it's hurtful. Yeah. And we had, I mean, we had people do the same thing with our daughter, where it was like, "Oh, there must be some sin in your family or yeah. unforgiveness or," yeah, and I was like.
1: Then there's I, just a level of stupidity. Can I just yes. say that Like there is just a level of stupidity where it's like, did you even hear the words coming out of your mouth? I'm because like pretty dumb.
0: sure I just turned around and walked. I don't think I said, uh, I was just like, I don't even know what to say to that. And I just walked away. Cause I was like, I, I'm either going to burst into tears or oh like, throttle you. So <laughs> mm. the former is better than the latter, but mm. I, I do think it I think we have to give ourselves permission to be really good communicators in the sense of communicating things that maybe feel too vulnerable or too, like, they're too close. They're too tender. They're too touchy. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's like that do or die. If I don't communicate this, I'm, I'm not going to be okay. And I'm not willing to let this compromise the relationship simply because it feels too much like, yeah. And the other, you know, the beautiful part about that, I think that you would agree with this is that it brings people that are able to be closer, closer, yes. right. Yes. And they're able to step in to that mm-hmm. place with you and maybe cook you a meal and say, do you just need to be, can we just be mad together about this? Cause I'm really pissed off. Like, can we just draw angry pictures? Cause I'm really yeah. mad right now. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it allows people to come into a place where you need them, but maybe yeah. you don't know how to ask for it. And,
1: Absolutely.
0: or even just say, I don't even know what I need. Like mm-hmm. can you just be with me. So I don't feel so alone. Like yes. in the, that's yuck, in the, blah, yeah, that's yeah.
1: huge in itself. There's actually a, um, a principle that you learn, um, in our field of, you know, life coaching and heart coaching and Um, I mean, in uh, your field as well, where you learn about attunement and attunement is, you know, they did a scientific study where they mapped a brain of one person that, that had nobody walking with them through pain. And then simultaneously mapped another brain of a person that had someone walking with them that was not trying to solve their problems. They weren't capable of fixing it. They were just saying, I'm here. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how to do this. I'm just here with you. And the person that didn't have anyone walking with them through pain could not get beyond a certain point in processing pain. The person that had someone walking with them was able to actually walk through the pain and get to the other side. And so there's, and so they, they coined it attunement. There really is a huge factor of just having someone sit with you in pain. That's not trying to fix it. Doesn't know what to do. They're not contributing anything other than taking up space. And that's not like a bad phrase. It's like, they're literally just taking up space next to you to say like, I'm just not going to let you do this alone. Right. And um, scientifically, even just in our bodies, if we just have someone there, that's just like, I'm with you in this. Yeah, I'm walking it out. I don't know how either, but like, I'm grabbing your hand and I'm not letting go. Even just having attunement, will help you get through the process of pain. And, you know, the process can be short or long, it can be up and down, it can be bumpy or smooth, but, um, having attunement, having people attuned that are just there in it to win it will just by proxy, get you through that process of pain. And so um, there's a huge value in just having people, which does require some transparency and vulnerability to say like, this is where I'm at in my place of pain. And sometimes you will know what you need and sometimes you won't know what you need. Um, But I'm so grateful for the all-weather friends that stuck with me through all of the ups and downs of pain, because I really believe that that in itself was a huge factor as to why I could get to the other side of all of the nuances of pain in that process is because I just had people who were committed to like I'm in it in the dark and I'm in it in the light. And you right. know, we're in it. Right. Exactly. And
0: um it does, I mean it changes everything. Right. And it's it's the way that God wired us for yeah. community. And I think that's part of, you know, if we're going to talk about like the spiritual aspect of this, right? Which is that if the enemy had one strategy to use when people are walking through this, it would be isolation because he knows that we cannot heal in isolation. Like, I'm not saying you can't encounter God on your own and get like, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying there is a measure of healing. We can get on our own. And then there's a measure, a greater measure of healing that we get, by people being with us and around yeah. us and, and really being like God for us when we can't see God for ourselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so I kind of just want to touch on that a little bit, because I know you've shared, you know, obviously like you've shared in our community about this, but I think just for listeners, because I think this is the crux, this is like where probably the most pain happens is when it begins to impact our relationship with God, the one that we are supposed to get our strength from, right? And our it, like, it changes when you have to walk through something instead of being delivered from it, right? Yes. It changes something in our perception about God. And um, so I would just love for you to share a little bit, if you're comfortable with it, um, how shame began to change your, like, because there was a fight there for a while of that. Like, I want to stay connected to God, but I'm really kind of mad right now. And I am disillusioned and I'm hurt and I'm disappointed and like all of those things. So can you tell us a little bit about what that shame kind of looked and felt like and how that impacted that part of your
1: relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we know just, like walk with the Lord, reading, reading the word, we know that the very first thing that ever came against the Lord was the question of if he was good. Yeah. you know, Did God really say that that would happen? You know? Um, and that was the very first uh, I would say accusation, accusation or invite to accusation ever made was yeah. against his goodness and his character. And so that's a, a weaponization of shame that, um, is very real, which it will always challenge the goodness of God. Yep. And so, um, throughout my journey and the different ebbs and flows, that was always one of the biggest, um, uh, voices is challenging who God was and who he wasn't. Well, if God is good, then why won't he heal your body and give you a baby? If God is good, Then why are you even going through this infertility journey? If God is good, then why did he give that woman her fifth baby? And you don't have one. If you matter so much to God and he loves you as much as he loves everybody else, then why do they have six kids and you have none? If God, like, it's always that if, if God is this, then this, you know, and again, we're, we're conditioned for, um, you know, programs and, and systems. And so if God is good, then everything has to be good in order for him to be good. And so there was a lot that was challenged in my journey. There was a lot that was challenged of my own worth to God. Um, there was a lot about, um, if my past had really been redeemed because like, could this be because of all of the stuff that I did before, you know, all of the partying and all the people I slept with and all the things like, could this actually be that God didn't redeem my past and this is punishment for my past? You know, one day I always knew I'd have to, you know, like be punished for that, you know? And so there really, there was a lot of that, of, of, um, being presented with an opportunity to, um, have something opposed Yes. Or belief that I had about God, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I always tell people and it's because I've been asked so much, like if, if you had to do that all over again, if you got to choose not to do that and just have babies right away or do it again, would you do it again? And I would do it a hundred. I would do it again because um, the journey of all of those questions, the journey of all those accusations, the journey of having to really sit down with those questions in my own head and really discover for myself who God was in those moments of pain and disappointment and not having answers and not having healing and not having the promises fulfilled and not being able to understand why this and why that doesn't equal that of all of that, what I know about God now, because of that journey, I would not trade for like the journey. Um, and I do think that the reason I was able to come out alive from all that pain. And when I say alive, I mean, like not just living, breathing, but like. Your heart. Cold, is where, yeah, yeah. Where my heart is like intact, healthy, um, healed and all that wasn't necessarily because the promise was later fulfilled in my life. Like, yes, hugely. Absolutely. But it was because I was able to, um, establish in myself who God was. Yeah. Despite what wasn't happening in my life. Right. And so, um, because if God can remain the constant, then I can always lay that pain. I, I remember a specific time in my walk with, with this journey, it was probably one of the, the highest peaks of pain and disappointment. And I literally felt in my own heart and mind, like this moment, this defining moment where everything was going to, everything moving forward and everything I'd gone through was all going to be dependent on what I decided in that very moment. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that Mm -hmm. in your own journey with your daughter um, or like your miscarriages where there's just this moment where, you know, like what I decide in this moment is going to just make everything else as a result of that. And I remember that moment was, will I sacrifice God on the altar of my disappointment Mm -hmm. or will I sacrifice disappointment on the altar of who God is? Yeah. Because at that point they were so opposing where it was like, disappointment was trying to the other. Yeah. Yeah, It was like one or the other. I was either going to let disappointment be the sacrifice or God be the sacrifice one of the two. And, um, I remember choosing like, I don't even care if I don't even have all the answers. I don't care if I never figure it out. I don't care if ever anything disappointments, what's going down and God's care is what I'm going to choose to believe in. Even if it's in the face of nothing, like it does not look like God is good at all. Does not sound like it look like it feel like it, but I'm still going to choose to believe that he is. Mm. And so I think that that was a huge factor in how I came out alive was that I just made choices in that pain despite what it felt like and looked like and was like, I, I just what I was going to choose to believe through those processes of pain was what I think got me through on the other side of it.
0: Absolutely. And I it's that, you know, I I just want to like add to that because I think sometimes when we hear like, oh, just choose, you know, just choose that. Like it it was not, it was a sacrifice, right? Because you're laying down the right. to something, but it's also, it's not, it's not either, or it's, it was you saying, I'm going to give you my disappointment. I'm going to let you take my hand through the disappointment. Right. And I think when we begin to grasp that, like with God, that he's not, he's not opposing us, right. It's, it's a choice to invite him in Mm -hmm. to what we're experiencing. He's always going to get us through. Yeah.